Welcome to Tell Me More, Tell Me More, the podcast. I'm your host, Leah. And I'm your host, Adicia. And this is a movie musical podcast where we watch a movie musical and then we talk about it. We are in Girl Group August, which I just realized a couple days ago that it's like Women's Month in South Africa. I don't know if this is international or not, <laughs> but it's Women's Month and I'm South African. So like, you know, that's the reason why we're doing Girl Group. <laughs> um, girl group August I decided that that's the reason um, but anyway this week we are diving into dream girls do you have any history with this? Um, history apart from uh, having seen it before not particularly <laughs> um, sure. I, I, I remember like how big listen was and how big um like I and I am telling you <laughs> was mm-hmm. just like anyone who decided that they could sing sang and I am telling you yeah um, <laughs> who decided that they could sing I'm just saying I'm just <laughs> saying um but yeah no I don't have any significant special relationship except for just realizing as I just told Leah um, that Stephen Trask uh, who was the composer and lyricist well one of them for Hedrick and the Angry Inch uh, covered uh, not covered scored this movie and also scored um, Camp which was another movie that we talked about on the Patreon um that was a very defining moment for both of our lives. Yeah. Um, but by score, not that he wrote the music, that was, this was already a musical, but uh, just he was involved. Um, yeah. How about you? Um, similarly, I watched the movie when it came out in cinemas by myself. I fully remember that experience. Um, <laughs> and not gonna lie I did sing and I'm <laughs> telling you <laughs> um, at a school like a uh, talent thing I'm pretty sure like a year later or somewhere about that so yeah as every person that decided they could sing did sing that or listen because I heard <laughs> listen a lot um, especially when it came to shows like idols and stuff at, at least in South Africa a lot of people did listen and still do i think i assume but outside of that um yeah i don't really have that much of a history with it i've seen it live once which was really cool um i may talk about that experience but you know i also may not (laughs) um throughout the episode but that is my history with it i suppose we shall just get into it Mm -hmm. uh so this movie came out in 2006 um, it has Same some as Cheetah Girls. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! We did realize this. This is not news. I mean, no, it is because <laughs> the what we realized last time was that it was the same year as High School Musical. Oh, okay. <laughs> so this is a new realization. Fair enough. Um. But yes, uh, it has within it such stars as Jamie Foxx, 
Beyonce. I don't know why I said Jamie Foxx first before Beyonce. Jennifer Hudson, um, who I think this role like really like propelled her mm-hmm. like into like the 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 stardom quality. Um, we have Anika Noni Rose, um, Eddie Murphy. Dot. I almost said Donald Glover. That's a different person. Danny yep, Glover. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Had that a... same issue yesterday where I was like, yeah, Donald, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, Danny Glover. And uh, who else is in this? Keith Robinson. Uh, and L- Loretta. But yeah, so we start in like 1962. Like two seconds. Right? That's her name? Who? Loretta? <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember her name and I don't want to be wrong. Um, Anika? I, Noni Rose? N- no, no, no. The original. Um, oh, the, she's Lorel. in the movie. <laughs> yeah, the original oh. Laurel. Wait, is she in the Loretta movie? Loretta Devine? Yeah, oh. she has like a cameo for like two seconds where she sings a song. Oh. Oh! Oh, is it um the goodbye song? Yes. For, for ah, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> that completely went over my. I should have realized when they didn't introduce her at all that it was significant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I sh- I should have known. 1962. Uh, we have a talent competition. It seems to be like an amateur talent show, uh, vibe that's happening. We cycle through a couple of songs as different acts come on, but this is our introduction to um, the main players that we're going to be following throughout the movie. Jamie Foxx, who is playing Curtis Taylor Jr., who is a Carl, a Carl, a car salesman um, who seems to have aspirations of getting into the music business. Um, he's just like, he's just in there amongst all of the things that are happening. I don't know if he has like um, some sponsorship with the show because he seems to be part of the money mm-hmm. that's passed around as well. Um, I'm not sure his entire role in that talent show, but um, he spots the Dreamettes as they are trying to get into the show because uh Dina came late because she couldn't leave before her mother fell asleep and (laughs) so they lost their spot Um, but Curtis manages to haggle on their behalf um, to get them into performing in the show Um, meanwhile all of this is happening we have several songs happening in the background we have um, I'm looking for something by the stepsisters, um, who seem to be kind of rivals with the Dreamettes. Yeah, they're basically identical. If you told me that that was a Dreamettes song, I would not blink. <laughs> and then also uh, we have Little Albert and the True Tones um, singing "Going Downtown," which is in the same timing as the song before, because you know this is snappy. This is happening in the background. Curtis manages to get them their slot. Um, they're going to end up performing right after uh, Tiny Joe Dixon, who performs his own song, Taking the Long Way Home, 
we also get introduced to uh, Jimmy Thunder Early. Jimmy Early, who is uh, seems to be a, a leading man, kind of in the vein of like... Like a James Brown type? Yeah. My, my brain was saying Rick James, and I'm like, that's not the James I need. Give me the other <laughs> one. <laughs> so I couldn't, I couldn't say the word. Uh, but yeah, kind of like a James Brown uh, kind of a pioneering type person. Yeah. In the field. There's like but several he's... times in the thing where it's like, who did sparkly clothes first? I did. Who did the scream and faint first? I did. Etc. And uh, Donald, my God, Danny Glover plays his manager. <laughs> the current situation with him is that his two uh, backup backing singers have left uh, mostly because he's an adulterer he's married Mm -hmm. um, and seems not at all interested in breaking off his marriage but is quite keen to pursue interests and those interests are other women when we get introduced to him Curtis is haggling on the Dreamette's behalf because they performed their song Move Move on. So they performed their song "Moved," and, and the crowd was on their side. They had the crowd jumping and bumping, as you would expect from mm-hmm. all of those beautiful singers. Um, but Curtis, seeing this, realizes that there's a lot of potential in the group, and they might be his ticket as much as he could be their ticket. So he he goes back and pays one of the judges to ensure that the Dreamettes weren't going to win. But apparently to they weren't going to win replies, anyway. they weren't going to win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, sure, I'll take your money, but they weren't going to win. And I'm just like, why? They were good. Mm. Um, but yes, they lose the competition. Dina is understandably frustrated at the fact that they apparently seem to keep going to these types of things. Effie has an amazing voice. Cece, Effie's brother, who uh, gives them, writes all their songs for them and like does their dance moves. Multi-talented so. star. Yeah. Is like giving them s- so much of his talent. And they're really good together, but they don't seem to get anywhere. And mm. Curtis... Um, already has a solution for that which is to have them singing back up for Jimmy Thunder early. Jimmy initially was not willing to have more than two girls but on seeing the three girls apparently decided that it was fine because he's an adulterer (laughs) (laughs) and he took an immediate interest in Laurel I always called her Loretta because you mentioned her name before um but takes an immediate interest in Laurel. Um, mind you, we don't explicitly, like it's not just explicitly stated, we get the information that these girls are teenagers uh, yeah. when this is all meant to be happening, which isn't quite clear because, you know, the actor- actresses are older than their perceived yeah. age. Like, so it's a Beyonce bit difficult for them. 25 playing like 16 or something. Yeah. Um, so it, it kind of is seen on their faces that they're not that young. But the girls end up 
uh, after some back and forth with Effie being a bit proud and stubborn, which is um, a personality trait that defines her throughout the entire movie. After a bit of back and forth, they realize the opportunity for what it is and they end up singing backing for Jimmy Early um, with the song, Fake Your Way to the Top. You gotta fake your way to the top, running around. I love when, they, when they're doing that, when they're teaching them the song and mm-hmm. um, they each get their little sort of doing the round and around. Laurel does it straight. Yeah. Beyonce does like running around or whatever she does, and then <laughs> and then freaking Effie's like, brother, <laughs> obviously oh beautifully, but like, <laughs> but it's just that, that, yeah, I love it. She she does a lot of <laughs> scrolling in this movie. <laughs> oh. Throughout that song, we get a montage of. Uh, then because they are now on the tour with and Dina coward because I, mm-hmm. I she doesn't even tell her mother properly that she leaves her a note when she's sleeping like my 16 yep. year old child are you mad are you mad <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, but I suppose it was a different time regardless the girls are now on tour with Jimmy Early. We get this through a montage of them uh, in Fake Your Way to the Top. We get uh, Jimmy uh, trying to progress his quote-unquote relationship with Laurel. Uh, Laurel initially being standoffish against it, um, but we see later on uh, she begins to succumb to the charms, charms, whatever charms he has, I don't see them, but again, it was a different time (laughs) Curtis uh, is also trying to progress his own things behind the scenes he and Cece are working together, they bring a bunch of instruments into the dealership uh, where Curtis sells cars because he plans to now form his own record label kind of a deal. Initially, Curtis and Cece are trying to pitch to Jimmy um, this new sound that Cece has that he's been working on while they're in a blues club. Danny Glover's uh, character of the manager is basically a yes man to Jimmy, even Mm -hmm. though it seems like he has a lot more of the wisdom than Jimmy. I don't know. But like he has a lot of sense, but like when Jim, because like when they asked um, what Jimmy thought of the song "Move" that they performed, that the Dream Dreamettes had performed, like Danny Glover's character sort of like waits to see what Jimmy says and then just sort of repeats it. Marty Madison is his name in the movie. Okay, Marty. Yeah, he like he like. He's like, yeah, I thought it was, and waits for Jimmy to say, boring. He's like, yeah, boring. No soul. Yeah, no soul. And it's like, sir. <laughs> okay. So once they, they, as in Cece and the Dreamettes, begin to go through the song Cadillac Car, 
Curtis's pitch of a song that people can uh, sing in their cars to have fun with uh, begins to appeal to Jimmy and they end up performing that song it ends up uh, going around it ends up being a hit to the point that the white people come and cover the song basically claiming it as their own as you do which is a which is a a thing that is covered in it was <laughs> it's covered in it's so funny it's covered in several um, plays uh, regarding that era, the mm-hmm. whole like uh, white uh, the man just coming in and taking what he wants, and what he wants is your very soul. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but... they do have that like two second thing of like this is how it works. Who sang Hound Dog first? Elvis. No, it wasn't Elvis. It was Big Mama Thornton, and then. Elvis made it popular at the whites and da 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 and now she's written out of history blah 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 also that's the first time I'd heard of that which makes sense because like I was like 13 or something so but they realize um, that in order to get ahead Curtis and kind of Wayne who is um, a part of the dealership but also a part of the now Rainbow Record label they decide to do a payola scheme which is payola is when you pay uh, for uh, a song to be part of a normal broadcast Mm -hmm. without actually saying that you're being paid to propel it they start that scheme in order to get Jimmy ahead to the pop charts with their music and then step into the bad side which, yes. by the way, I prefer, I think, I don't know if it's on the movie soundtrack or the Broadway soundtrack, but um, there is, like, the beginning of Step Into the Bat Side is so much better than what they had in the movie, where it's like, they stole my song, da-da-da-da, you've got me to think for you now, and then na-na-na-na-na-na-na, that, it's just, it sounds so much better in the soundtrack, I'll figure out which one it is, but... Um, yeah, if you want to listen to a, a slightly better version of the introduction to Step Into the Bat Slide, um, <laughs> it's on the soundtrack. Uh, but yeah, well, Step Into the Bat Slide. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Gonna set me right. Such a good song. Ah, so fun. <laughs> and CCN so is dancing. Ah! <laughs> it's so multi-layered as well developing we have that uh, relationship that I mentioned with Laurel and Jimmy and we also have Curtis and Effie kind of beginning a thing but since the beginning Effie and Curtis were always kind of flirting so it just becomes more of a thing Um, we see it also become more of a thing uh, as Cece is doing um Love you, I do. Is that what it's called? Because mm-hmm. I think yes, it is. <laughs> it might be right before or after. Effie's like, when am I gonna? Where? When are we gonna do us like the Dreamettes instead of being backup singers? When are we getting our break? When? When do I get to shine? Mm-hmm. 
It's somewhere around that conversation. Oh, yeah. You're the perfect man for me. I love you, I do. That was like three different keys. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also kind of surrounding that conversation, we have Marty, who is uh, realizing that he's kind of being kicked out of management with uh, Jimmy because Mm -hmm. Curtis has now taken over scheduling Jimmy's um, uh, appearances. Marty is not happy because basically they have this idea of ownership of Jimmy as a person um, because he's their their product, he's their moneymaker. And Jimmy kind of rightfully says he doesn't belong to anybody, but Jimmy is also just trying to progress himself and progress himself as like an artist so he's trying to do whatever he decides best marty takes it personal i mean to be like it is sort of like that thing of like selling out or being like doing stuff that you know that you love and you're good at versus doing stuff that the industry sort of celebrates so it's like do I continue to sing with soul and whatever, or do I sell out and do pop? And Marty's like, stick to your guns, man. Like, do you. And like, this is like the thing that you're good at and like stick to it and whatever. And don't really challenge it and don't really experiment past it. Whereas Curtis is like anything to make the money, anything to get to the top of the charts. And it is sort of like that decision. It's like a very blatant um example of the decision to sell out (laughs) but it's also um something that we see in like multiple stories of music artists climbing we saw a similar thing happen in rocket man in the elton john movie where he he picked the other manager over the ones that had gotten him to that position in the first place it just it happens marty leaves jimmy is now in the in the hands of Curtis Curtis who wants him to perform in Miami Beach um, with the Dreamettes which Marty was against because it's so white down there mm-hmm. and it would be a struggle and even when we get to the performance we see that the, the it was so cringe just like Ooh, listening I to died. <laughs> <laughs> I could was, not watch it the performance happens um Mm -hmm. and jimmy just gets a little out of hand Mm -hmm. um and we can we can see that it 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 upsets the good nature of the white people like okay and not like i get it though because like okay not okay (laughs) how do i phrase this (laughs) i get it that if like you're this white person who is afraid of black people and is high-key or low-key racist and Mm -hmm. you are introduced to this person who's going to be performing and you're like okay fine i will you know what it's fine we'll accept it he sings he's going to do a thing and then he's going to leave and we're going to have nothing to do with him and then he comes and he sings a song which initially is very sweet and is like uh i love you and then he gets too confident and starts to gyrate and point directly at these white women who are obviously terrified of black men because they are <laughs> racist. So I get it. I see why people were like, eh, I don't know about this. Ooh, 
Yeah. Because it's, like, slightly different if it's, like, uh, like, and, uh, you know, that's, like, a whole discussion on society and whatever the fuck. And, you know, like, if a black woman started to be sexy on stage, it's more they're going to ogle at her and, like, whatever. But they're not going to be terrified of her. It might be uncomfortable in that the women are kind of, like, ew, what the fuck. But the men are, like, she's being sexy and it's not very conservative, interesting, whatever. It's, like going to a strip club but like um yeah with the men they're outright terrified of them and it's like you know there's like i said a whole discussion on like society and racism and all that shit but like <laughs> yeah I, i'm just saying i see it <laughs> also um the song that was sung there was uh i want you baby um yeah. during the performance yeah. yep no, no no go ahead sing the song <laughs> No, that's the only part I actually know. <laughs> the, Fair enough. The, their their response to his call. <laughs> but we also see, uh, even though the the performance is completely like bombing, we see that Curtis is watching the eyes of the white men and their interest in the girls, uh, in Dina in particular. When that happens, Curtis announces to the girls that they are going to be headlining the um i forget what it's called is it um the tropicana yeah i I think it's the tropicana but they're gonna be headlining oh my god it's not gonna come to me uh but they're gonna be headlining the venue while jimmy continues his tour without them realizing that it's potentially their break the girls are all excited um except the fact that Curtis says that they're gonna be making changes well the biggest change being um, that Dina is going to be the lead and Effie is upset about that whole thing yes (laughs) I felt every bit of that because she's like what like this whole time you told me to like to wait and to be patient and whatever and as the lead of the dreamettes i would you know you would think that i would get to lead the dreamettes once we go like separate from being backup singers and then on top of that you're like yeah no we're choosing dina because it's she has a a, a better look and she's like am i ugly to you curtis and i went oh <laughs> oh girl I'm so sorry. <laughs> that self-esteem might not uh, recover from that because that's mean. That is very mean. I don't know. I don't know what else he could have said in order to make it sound less mean. Ooh. Yeah. And she's like, she may be pretty, but I've got the voice, Curtis. I've got the voice, and I was like, she does. <laughs> I mean, it's. I guess it's just unfortunate the way that it all happens and the way that everyone keeps like saying it's it's bigger than her mm-hmm. so it it makes it like she is like arrogant she is like um proud yep. and stubborn. stubborn and all of that yeah but at the same time it's a little bit like unnerving how quickly everyone is just like okay but you have to think of the group as a whole. And that's fine. 
mm-hmm. but it's just like her feelings are also valid yeah it's, it's, it's not it's not just because she is all of these adjectives that she she is just like meant to be put under and just put aside until yeah. some future time when she can have she her gets moment. to go solo or whatever yeah it's just like yeah like even if she wasn't all those things like you said like stubborn and whatever 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 she'd still be upset she's human yeah that, like you know finally her moment comes and it's actually going back to singing Uzanaz. so while they're all convincing uh effie they sing the song family we are a family um. like a giant tree and Effie is convinced the girls are now gonna be known as the dreams rather than the dreamettes the dreams are little girls um, the dreams are women yes (laughs) so now with their new image uh, more sophisticated they go out on stage um Becoming the dreams and singing the title song, Dream Girls. It's such a good song. We're The girls are. Is that the beginning of? Is that the beginning of like Act Two in the the show? I mean, I know I've seen it, but I don't remember. But it feels like um, it should be, right? Well, according to the movie, the beginning of the act two isn't until um, I'm somebody. Oh, how boring. Because we haven't even had a, an I'm telling you yet. So that is very act one stuff, really. Time begins to pass um, through a series of uh, shots of photos. We see um, magazine articles and newspaper articles. The girls are traveling everywhere. They met the Beatles. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> we also see Jimmy Early is um still on his still on his beat but has turned to um hard drugs mm-hmm. I guess to cope with not being quite so popular um yeah. anymore or or perhaps never reaching the heights of popularity that he wanted to <laughs> Yeah. I mean that, yeah, Curtis to him. fully ignores him after that one performance yeah which is unfortunately a thing I've seen happening with k-pop idols well not so much after one performance but when like a new band comes out yeah um, some producers just completely ignore the the older ones and it's just really upsetting because that that was a similar thing that happened with um I'm getting off track um, it's fine. <laughs> That ha- finish your sentence. Say- <laughs> oh, um, CL from 21 yeah. um, was completely ignored by YG. So I think it sank her into a depression. I don't know her, but um, <laughs> just sure. uh, the, once Blackpink emerged, uh, yeah, they there, really there was, neglected her for sure. Yeah, yeah, she had her fans were asking her about new music and she was like it's written i just can't release it yeah um they won't let me so i think it it was just really upsetting um the whole situation for her justice for cl i love her so much 
Lydia is moving on, uh, <laughs> coming back. Yes, coming coming back into 1965. Um, uh, by this time, Effie, we are we are in the in the in the at the point of heavy. Um, heavy, uh, heavy, <clears throat> you got so heavy, baby. Honestly, that song feels fat phobic. <laughs> like. It's just it it's so me. it's so bad. Oh. It's so my god. I was so anxious. I was like, you're making her sing this? And then you're telling her to be lighter? I mean, yes, she's singing very loud, but sir. <laughs> mean, mean. And it's her brother who wrote the song. So like, what's up, CC? I just wanna <laughs> talk. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think like CC probably wrote it with the good intention of his heart, yeah. But like, woof, yeah. It's a whole situation. Yeah. Um, Effie is realizing more and more that Curtis and Dina, even if it's not like happening, Curtis is showing a great deal of preferential treatment towards Dina. Yeah. Like even if they weren't like sleeping together at that point, I don't know. I don't think they were. I don't think Dina would do that. Mm-hmm. to Effie but I think um, I think Curtis like he wasn't showing Effie any proper treatment at that point yeah any kind of significant care and affection I think it was affecting her um, and then they got to the recording of um, Heavy I, I don't know if it was a I think it was a recording for a video I don't think it was a live broadcast and they were showing so many close-ups of Dina and barely showing the others. Also, Effie had on a sour face, so I can see why. But <laughs> um, they they were just showing so much of Dina and Effie had really had enough yeah. of it. Yeah. And it, it got to the point where she just walked out and an argument ensued where Curtis seemed to try to threaten her but Effie realizing um, or just deciding that she's too important of a part of the group for them to actually do anything to her. Mm. Um, she just walked off. We come to realize um, some of her moodiness um, in, in that time can actually be attributed to pain that she was having um, due to her being secretly pregnant but we don't get that at the time all of that information we what we get instead is them preparing to perform for New Year's Eve in 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 Las Vegas and Effie not being there for the rehearsal mm-hmm. so Curtis um, already formed the plot which Dina and Laurel well more Dina seemed uncomfortable with mm-hmm. um, but it was already happening because they had as the manager of the venue had said they had paid to see three girls and so three girls needed to be on stage yep. um, Effie meanwhile was at the clinic um, she'd gotten some news which I suppose if everything that ensued did not occur would have been shared but instead, what happened was Effie returned to the venue 
um, I think on either the day of the performance or the day before, I don't remember, but she apologized for being late to the rehearsals, um, and, and everyone's Dina like, this is a really awkward. Dina and Laurel uh, are shell-shocked that she's there. Cece's like, maybe you shouldn't uh, come tomorrow. <laughs> like, maybe don't do it. And Effie is confused because, of course, it's it's for New Year's Eve. It's a big event. Why would she not Appear, be there? Yeah. To, that like, doesn't no, make I'm, sense. I'm here to work. Don't <laughs> worry. I got this. And, like, then... Poor, I don't even know her name. What is her name in the show? Michelle. Michelle um, comes and she's like, Which made oh, me so, so laugh. Because I was just like, Oh, Beyonce in a three year old with another person named Michelle, of course. Um, <laughs> Did not clock It just that. made me laugh. That is funny. <laughs> but yeah, she comes in and she's like, Oh, I'm so nervous. And everyone's like, Shit. <laughs> And then who it's it's Cece right is like Curtis was supposed to love me. Dun, dun. Curtis was supposed <laughs> to. Dun, 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 dun. There you are, Effie. I can recite this whole song, um, <laughs> but like it's so good. And like okay, so this is the intro to this song, is what is a similar type of thing than what would have happened if they used the soundtrack version of Step Into the Bad Side, where it's like dialogue singing into the song instead of it just being like da 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 you know but obviously this whole song is like an argument which is like the best like trying to sing all the parts at once I remember this feeling um doing it a bunch I remember recording it on our tv and like just redoing it over and over and over again because uh, it's just so fun. I mean, it's like a horrible experience that whatever's happening to her right now. But like, it's just a fun thing to like try sing all the parts. It's like trying to sing all the parts in nonstop from Hamilton. Yeah, <laughs> it's just oh, it's tradition. If you listen to the musical, you try. We have it's all over with the argument flowing into, and I am not telling you. Wait, and no, I not telling. I am not telling. And I am telling you, I'm not going. <laughs> and I'm not like, telling you that I'm like... going, but... Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, I am telling you, I'm not going. Etc. Um, oh, my God. The, when this song ended in the cinema, I remember very vague... No, not vaguely, very vividly, that, like... At the end, just the the me, everyone like clapped. It was great, but it's so we all clapped. But also, there's an actual clap in the thing in the movie because they're moving on to the next thing, and so there is a clap yeah. built in. But anyway, we're all just like yes. Oh, right. <laughs> we're in a movie. Things are happening. Right. Let's focus. It was so great. It was just, it's it's so, like, the song is so powerful. Yeah. And I think since then, it's, it's like, the standard that is compared to for that song. Yeah. Which is fortunate and unfortunate. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, but Effie is now not a part of the dreams, and they go on without her for the performances and the future um yeah they just go on pretending (laughs) that every 
was never in Dreamgirls, in, in the dreams. And it's so funny to me because, I mean, it's very awful for her, obviously. But it's so funny to me yeah. that they fully pretend that Michelle was just always there. Which is like, that's a little bit funny because then it's like, you know, Destiny's Child and Michelle not all, always and? being there, but then she came in and then she was always there and, you know. <laughs> and TLC as well. Really? Yeah, no, Chili wasn't, because originally their names, the name TLC was because of the names of the people in the group and Chili isn't her name. So when the original girl I think her name was Crystal I think when she left they needed another girl and so they took on the names like T-Boz and Left Eye and Chili but Chili's name isn't Chili oh. so but yeah did, was that but, the case then with sorry uh, but like with um, the Supremes because this is like this is like very roughly based on like very roughly based on them was it the case um, that they replaced somebody? So there were four in the original group. Um, they formed the Primets as a sister act to the Primes. And then the groups, uh, the group signed with Motown as the Supremes. And then one of them left and they carried on as a trio. So it was, so it was Florence Ballard, Mary Wilson, Diana Ross, and Betty McLaughlin mm-hmm. as the original group. Barbara Martin replaced McGlowan in 1960 but she ended up leaving in 1962 and then it was um, Diana Ross, Florence Ballard and Mary Wilson and then um, Diana Ross uh, uh, as the lead singer uh, it became Diana Ross and the Supremes rather than just the Supremes and then Florence Ballard got replaced with Cindy Birdsong. So it did kind of, yes, happen okay. that way. And then Diana Ross left and she got replaced. And then the lineup continued to change. And then they disbanded in 1977 eventually. Um, sugar Babes all over again. No, not Sugar Babes. What was <laughs> the name? Yeah, it was Sugar Babes, right? I don't, I don't know the Sugar Babes that well. Okay. Well, yeah, no. They replaced literally every person until the sugar babes were not the same people as the original people and then the original sugar babes decided to become a girl group but like do a tlc thing where they take like the the letters of their names or something like that i don't know this is a huge digression but like i love (laughs) i love girl groups a lot and just sort of like the history of them is really interesting to me um but yes they there's a whole like thing where they sort of do like a not a documentary or whatever it's dina's watching yeah this is like a documentary or something like that it's a documentary it's meant to be a documentary on her life i think it's being produced by rainbow records so she's getting um the first screening of it yeah and that's when we see the clip where they're like um michelle (laughs) and laurel and uh, Dina, three girls from Detroit who always dreamed of becoming like singers and they have these pictures which they could have very easily made it look slightly more organic and real where they have a picture of Dina and Laurel very close to each other and then a huge space between that and then a picture of Michelle. If they just like moved it a little bit closer 
we could have pretended that it was a real picture, but no. <laughs> In the background, we have Love Love Me Baby, I think, playing. Yeah. We can see um, through the storytelling of the documentary that time has passed. It's now 1973. Uh, Dina is now married to Curtis. I think they live in LA now. They have this huge house. Rainbow Records is so popular they're planning to make a Cleopatra movie. Which, why is a record company trying to make a movie? <sighs> I don't know if... I wonder if this is a thing they actually tried with Diana Ross. Did Diana Ross She was in Mahogany. I think it was meant to be a reference to that. Fair enough. Um, But yes, we also have... So this is when Act 2 starts. Uh, We also have I'm Somebody. Uh, A lot of the... Somebody's gonna hold me down. Yes. A lot of the songs just start happening really quickly, so mm-hmm. sometimes it's difficult for to remember <laughs> when <laughs> it is. Um, Dina and Curtis have a talk about the Cleopatra movie. Dina is not sure that she is the right person to play this kind of role. Like, she does not think she has the range for that. Um, she also, also, she's has not like sure. A- yeah, she has a thing about like she's like I'm not 16 and I have to play 16 for most of the movie. And I'm yeah. like, is this commentary on what is currently <laughs> happening in the movie currently but right now with you, Beyonce? Curtis is also like, uh, you'll always be 16 to me, and I'm just like, you're gross. <laughs> you're gross. <laughs> Why would you say that? <laughs> so disgusting. Ew. They met when she was 16 in 1962. It yep. is now 1973. So 11 years have gone by. Yeah. And he's still just like. Uh, <laughs> but yes, um, he ends up singing the song um, When I First I Saw you, you, which is them going. I said, oh my. Yes. The, the campaign trail. Of like him like promoting Dina but it's all just like pictures of her and she never looks happy yeah like she's a picture of a woman dissatisfied with her life yeah I mean um, is that after or before um, he said or like is this a different conversation where he says the reason I made you the head of the dreams or whatever is because you have your voice has no personality or something like that, and I could mold you into whatever I wanted, or that's whatever. a later conversation. Okay, that's um, before listen, then. Yeah, that's, oh, that's okay. a conversation before listen. Um, which they never show Curtis or any of the men like to be physically abusive, mm. but boy, do they do the emotional abuse! Oh, yeah, so much. Yeah. <laughs> It's so gross. Ban all men, 2020. (laughs) Ban them from what? Everything. Um, 
Effie, meanwhile, seems to be uh, looking for jobs, seeking welfare uh, for her daughter, who is eight or nine at the time that we first see her. Her daughter's name is Magic, which I feel like that was a choice, Effie, that you made, um, not in her benefit. But she seems to be struggling, um, trying her best, but she still is very proud. Um, yeah. Even, like, if, if anything, it might have gotten worse. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, the, the stubbornness. She's at, like, uh, unemployment. <laughs> and they're like, he's like, yeah, uh, have you looked for a job? And she's like, no. <laughs> the only skill I have is singing, and nobody's asking me to do that, and therefore... No, I did not look for a job, sir. And I will never look for a job because that is not something that I'm interested in doing. Those aren't her words, but you know. <laughs> Later we find out that um, she, when when they were singing um, It's Over and uh, and I Am Telling You, um, they were cl- she was claiming that she couldn't be bought out. Apparently she'd gotten bought out for half a million dollars and had... Um, like drunk it away mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean i suppose that money only lasts you for so long anyway so it, it's um she seemed to have hit bottom and then like only through trying to raise her child um does she have some semblance of self mm-hmm. at this point apart from her pride jimmy <laughs> Um, is still trying to push himself as an artist, do all of the things that he knows how to do, and one of the things he knows how to do is sing. Um, so working with Cece and Laurel, who he still has a relationship with while still being married to his wife because he's an adulterer. Um, yeah, which is, is like kind of funny because he's like in two um, long-term relationships, and it's like, dude. <laughs> it's so strange I don't know why he wouldn't I don't know uh, but they do the song Patience because in the backdrop of all of this which is something I glossed over um, earlier but the, the Detroit riots were happening um, all of the, the, the race wars and information which you know in the current time is boop on the nose um, mm. because of the way that the broadcasts were sounds yeah. very similar to the way that the broadcasts are now it is not in fact different at all mm. uh, but the song yeah patience little brother or something like that and it's very yeah mm. it's a very quote unquote message song as Cur- Curtis says it would have been nice if they had he just let him release it. Like, what is the problem with letting him release it? I guess like if it if it didn't if it lost money then it but would they've be already uh, they've already recorded it, right? Like what yeah. extra money would he need to spend? Like like just let him release it without having to do all that payola shit. Are we can not? so can someone tell me <laughs> if you're listening to this <laughs> and you, you have you know, an idea. Please 
let me know because this is a genuine question for me like what is the problem with letting him release it if it's already been recorded and all you literally all you need to do is distribute it I think I think it was more Curtis seems to be the kind of person that is very into controlling situations sure so despite the fact that they went ahead and recorded the song the fact that they didn't pass it by him first the fact that like they thought it would be a thing like without his approval um just to just to go forward with it probably just scratched in the wrong way and he just uh just decided it wasn't worthwhile fair enough um jimmy is understandably disappointed by the fact that his song which they worked on quite hard together it's not gonna get released so he goes back to drugs the people around him decide to leave him to it which is unfortunate because the drug addiction gets worse moving forward from that we have effie again who is uh goes to see marty um and is now one of his clients Marty has been working to try to get her into clubs because understandably she is a singer that is a thing that she is good at yep. they pretty much get to the final club and Effie Effie has never changed I swear um, she is introduced to the manager of the bar and immediately launches into the story of um, how she could tell tell him how she blew drinking and I'm just like do you want this do you like actually (laughs) want this job or not yeah like is this a is this a thing like is this does this seem normal to you um it's the lack of self-awareness for me (laughs) the pianist isn't there that she normally works with and then she's just like well I can't do it and Marty's just like girl if you don't (laughs) That's not what he said, but it is essentially you have to stop making coming up with excuses and thinking you don't need to prove anything. I think he said because you have you're you're on the bottom. You have to prove it like the rest of us. And the guy's like, "Look, like, I didn't even want to see her anyway." And then she's like, "Look at me, look at me." And then she starts singing, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, okay, cool." <laughs> but that transitions to her like actually performing the song I think right yeah I am changing yeah. yeah after Effie seems to be gaining some kind of foothold in the ground uh, we turn to a celebration of Rainbow Records 10th anniversary seems to be a TV special performances by the groups that are under their label The Campbell Connection a clear Jackson Five <laughs> proxy. Um, Their performance, like it's very. Come on, girls. It really it's, is. Yeah. Anyway, they sing "Perfect World." <laughs> <laughs> um, backstage, Laurel and Jimmy are having a conversation. Well, Jimmy is drinking, and Laurel kind of wanted him to. I think he promised to stay clean that night, but 
um, Jimmy ends up telling her the story of how his wife Melba uh, decided to uh, come to the performance that night. So Melba <laughs> is now there. So Laurel allows him to drink. Um, and like, let me give you, you know, it's our anniversary too. Let me give you a kiss for each year. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Of unmarried life or something like that. Yeah, basically. I think she's basically at the limit now that his, he really has brought his wife to the place that she is in. Like they are separated by nothing. So when it's Jimmy's turn to go on, um, I think Laurel had questioned, like, if he actually loved her or something like that. Mm. And he's like, of course I do. Of course I do, baby. Um, but I got a show. And he had a... Yeah. So he goes on. Um, he goes out to perform uh, I Meant You No Harm, which... A lot of these songs are on the nose for what's happening at the time, but that is how <laughs> musicals are written. That is how musicals are written, and I just have to remember that. Um, yeah. But he's singing "I Meant You No Harm," and he's looking at Laurel as he does it, but he's also looking at Melba. Yeah. And he, they can see that he's looking to different people. Yeah. And it's so he's so not subtle. <laughs> he's like to what you like I love you or whatever to backstage which is like okay why are you looking there and then I love you to a very specific person in the audience which is like okay why are you looking there but then he does both like he says because like I think there's a lot of repetition within the song so he yeah. gets his chance to say each of those things to both the mistress and his wife and like he fully isn't subtle look somewhere else for a change like sir <laughs> look at the rest of the audience I don't know <laughs> but then he goes into cause he's like oh I'm sick of this <laughs> let me do yeah. something else and he's like give me a beat bop do bop bop do do bop <laughs> then uh, was it Jimmy got soul Jimmy's got soul Jimmy's got Jimmy's got Jimmy's got soul <laughs> oh god it is so awkward to see and then he takes his pants off yeah, and they cut the feed. <laughs> Curtis is not Livid. happy. He is <laughs> he is upset that Jimmy has chosen to do this at this time and decides to end their relationship, uh, as in dropping, removing him from the label completely. Yeah, and Curtis is just like, "Don't make a scene of this. At least we can end on friends." And I'd be upset. <laughs> As well, yeah. That you think that that is a thing that could happen after ten years, but also, also immediately following that, he'd asked Laurel to explain to Curtis on his behalf what that was about. She she told Curtis that Jimmy was um, upset that he had been stifled for so long, but had said that only a desperate man would drop his trousers on national television, which true. And after that, Laurel. <laughs> To me, it's true. But Laurel and Jimmy are through. <laughs> I like that. That's like two seconds of that, and I'm like, yes, give me more. 
then we see Melba arrive backstage and seem not surprised but horribly disappointed even though they aren't doing anything she just knows you can see from her eyes that she knows we don't know what conversation happens between uh, Jimmy and Melba but the dreams go on to perform family which seems to spark something in Cece realizing that the song that he sang to Effie is now being sung without Effie so it was essentially a lie but apparently there's a song that got cut out of the movie that Jimmy sings after this it's called Jimmy Don't Crawl the next song that Cece tries to give to the label which is I think Step On Over yeah we only hear we only hear a bit of it initially because Cece is busy storming out of a room <laughs> because he's he's upset that Curtis is removing all of the soul from his music like just yeah. squeezing every bit of soul out because this is the point where disco is now coming in and Curtis as we know is always chasing a new sound a new sound it has to be it has to be he has to be on top of the game yeah. so that he could be at the head of the race when when every when everything starts yeah. and CC just really wants to make songs that he thinks are beautiful I think and he does not like disco <laughs> so or maybe he would like disco if it wasn't taking other songs that he wrote and turning them into disco sure. that might have been better and so he decides to quit the label but then we kind of learn not too long after like immediately after like turning the camera quickly after mm. that something terrible has happened the terrible thing being that Jimmy has died of a heroin overdose at the age of 43 so which means that he was about 32 when he got into a relationship with uh, anyway Lorella's upset understandably uh, Melba is not gonna let her see Jimmy um, which I guess I can understand from Melba's side too but it's like it's like eight years yeah. of a relationship kind of a thing and she I guess it would be goodbye. yeah it's murky waters because yeah they had a legitimate relationship but also like <laughs> Yeah, it's not on Melba to extend a, a, like an olive branch to someone who knowingly slept with her husband for eight years. Yeah, Cece still continues with the quitting. Um, goes to try to see Effie, but uh, she does not want to see him at all. She runs away at Literally. the sight of him. <laughs> <laughs> Just I I. I don't understand. I I still don't understand that because it's like he's still your brother. Like it's not like he's tried. He's not tried to contact you. He sent. He sent you like money, money which you refused stuff. to take. Yeah. Um, which like, like he's I tried. understand being prideful, but like you fully need the money anyway. Like this yeah, is, he'll never know. <laughs> he like I doubt he really knows if she didn't use the money because it's given to is it the dad or 
Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, the dad probably uses it. I mean, I get it. I do understand her avoiding of him. Like, yes, he stole the brother, but, like, fully watched her get sidetracked and then, like, hasn't properly reached out since. Because, like, I I can't imagine that, like, if, like, six months later he had, like, gone and been like, Effie, I was so, like, that was absolutely unnecessary of me and your brother. I should be trying to help you. Da da da. Maybe they would have had a better relationship had he tried, but whatever. I don't know. Effie's very stubborn. It's very possible that he could have done that and she would have been like, no. I'm starting to wonder if she even told him, like, I mean, the father the would have told him, I would think. Yeah. She, he must know. Maybe that's why he was sending money and he just never. Because he, I was thinking, because he works right next to Curtis. But yeah. Curtis doesn't know at all. So yeah. I'm just like, did did CC knowingly just never tell him about magic? Or did or CC not know not about knowing. magic? Because mm. those are two very different things. Yeah. But I guess it, it wasn't important to the plot, so sure. we don't know. <laughs> sure. Um, the next time we see them, they are in a... In the jazz club with the actual Loretta Devine... <laughs> singing I miss you old friend again on the nose for the scene that is happening but they they do like a little I think is it right right before where they're sort of just talking about Jimmy and like he was but it's really nice that they had her in there and just like yeah look at that the original Laurel Cece is trying to talk to Effie um, and is basically saying that he has a song but it, it'll only be good if she sings it like it, it's yeah. it's it's for her and initially she doesn't want to hear anything he has to say but she relents because he is her brother i think maybe she says i don't need you or something and she yeah and he's like but i my i need you like my song yeah. i have a good song but it's only good if you sing it yeah and that song is one night only you are my love so right on the line such a good song i like it so much but i won't lie i do like the disco version as well <laughs> honestly i do too um, it's like really good <laughs> But the one night only from Effie White falls into the hands of Curtis and Wayne. Curtis, who is cursing Cece for making a fool out of him by giving a song to Effie that is so good. Initially, Wayne is just like, well, I mean, Cece wrote it, so we can just sue him for half the royalties because it's practically ours, which he quit, so no, it's not. Um... (laughs) But instead, Curtis is like, no, this is going to be uh, the song for my new sound. And Wayne seems a little hesitant uh, about yeah, that like, because they're essentially if... doing yeah. to CC what was done yep. <laughs> to, to him before. Except it's but his own go- people who are doing it to him yeah. this time. They take One Night Only and they turn it into a disco song. And while it's technically a cover, they portray it like it's an original. I mean, it gets 
heard probably it gets a wider distribution. Than... Yeah, but he does the he he does the payola thing like he always does. There's um... a very like blatant moment of like one of the radio DJs like holding Effie's um, um, disc or whatever record and then getting money with the Dreams record and he like chucks it in the dustbin and I'm yeah, like in the oh, car. this is like not necessary sir but okay they they as in Effie and Cece realize um, well they, they see it happen they hear it happen and I guess they figure that there's nothing that they can do at least initially mm-hmm. because we got Dina now Dina <laughs> has been uh, trying to do her own do something that is hers and find something that is hers for so long she tried to get into a different movie altogether rather than this Cleopatra mess that she thinks Curtis is gonna be making. She tries to get into a proper movie. One that's probably gonna break her image of being America's sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Um, because but, like they she's talk a grown about, ass woman. Like Yeah. Which is probably reasonable. Because um, I think the scene they describe is her going down on a truck driver or something. Yeah. And I'm like I don't remember hearing that the first, maybe I was a child <laughs> I don't know I don't remember that in the movie it's, it seems to be a kind of like serious kind of intense movie and she is just all for it and of course Curtis finds out about it because of course he does mm-hmm. and Ugh, that conversation he has with her really like I don't know like I just my whole body responded very negatively to it like and the I forgive you of it all like when like oh I hate him so much I'm fine fine. everything's fine I'm fine I hated it a lot (laughs) but yeah Curtis uh, basically reveals that he knows what she's been up to and that he is the one that essentially made her into what she is now she would he doesn't say she would be nothing without him but that is the kind of essence of the conversation yeah and that he he makes it seem at the end realizing that he's being a bit harsh he tries to make it seem at the end like he's doing it in her best interests yeah which is a thing that i always hate when people do just like this is I'm, I'm trying to do what's best for you and I'm just like you're trying to do what's best for you yourself yep. it's not about them incredibly please stop very disgusting like <laughs> please jump out a window right now like uh, then we get listen <laughs> which big big song big song listen which is now it is, the show Oh, oh yeah, yeah, nice. Well, I doubt they could leave it out after. Yeah, no, <laughs> I know. Just like, just like, but Where's they didn't listen? do listen. Yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when I saw it in the West End, they did listen. I was like, oh, I was pleasantly surprised because I didn't, because I, I knew that listen was written for the movie and I had not really thought yeah. of Dreamgirls in a very long time. So when I saw it, I didn't really expect it to happen. But then mm-hmm. she sang it, and like the lyrics are slightly different. Um, 
but I was like, oh, okay. You're here. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> yeah. It is a Beyonce song. It really is. But also, we get the montage uh, background of her being like upset and going through Curtis's things and finding the... I think she was just planning on outing the payola stuff. But then she found Effie's um, One Night Only record and she just got so upset because she didn't know. So she calls Effie and basically they come up with this thing to do it all at once in order to get Effie some justice. Curtis leaves the recording booth and immediately there is Effie and well Effie doesn't appear at first. But it's Cece and uh, Marty and the lawyer and basically stating that they have all of this information on all the illegal things that you've been doing. So here's what you're going to do. And what they're going to do is let Effie have performance rights to the song. I don't remember exactly what it is that they yeah. get. But basically they're allowed to... Ha- they're in charge of the song and if Curtis breaks the disagreement he's going to jail <laughs> I don't know I don't know how true that is I'm pretty sure there would be a court involved but I feel like <laughs> Curtis is going to court but as long as he doesn't interfere then it won't need to come to that Dina and Effie have probably the first conversation that they have had in person in years and Effie reveals that she has a child magic and is Curtis's Curtis because is. you know time matches up and it's been nine years Curtis doesn't know and Dina doesn't tell him oh yes Effie's record gets national distribution through the record company right. that she should have gotten in the first place and Effie sings the this, this time, time Effie, Effie <laughs> I can't do it wait, wait. Uh, I don't know the notes. Night is gonna uh, win. <laughs> I, love I love this so much. I was just like, oh god, girl. Actually, never change, really. <laughs> and Dina now seeing this, and also Curtis having the presence of mind to realize that the only way they could have gotten all of this information, like the only person who would have access to those books would be Dina, decides to go for Dina um, but her mom's there so <laughs> he can't do anything and also she has decided to leave him and she does that she which like sue me if that's what you want but whatever I can start over Effie did and I can do it too so she's left Curtis is left on his own and I think it goes for maybe a year more I don't know if the Dreamers performed together in that time, but they have their farewell concert in 1975, which basically really does follow like the whole journey of the Supremes, except they ended in like 77, but by then the lineup was... Anyway, um, so they're at their final performance, farewell concert. Curtis gets out of the limo with this fresh young thing. And one of the reporters is like, Curtis, 
Uh, it must be bittersweet to have this happening. And he's like, I don't believe in goodbyes, only hellos. And I would like to say hello to this person. And they're not interested because this, the, wh- why would you? Yeah. This is not, it's not about don't care. that <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah. They um, immediately are like, oh, there's someone else on the red carpet. Okay, bye. <laughs> they are ready for their performance. The Dream Girls sing their final performance song, which is hard to say goodbye. Everyone waves their hands as they're saying goodbye. Mm. Um, and Dina is like, okay, well, this is the final moment, but it's time for that song. And you know, there weren't three dreams. There are four and they bring Effie out. Again, it just, I laughed so loud because I'm like, yeah, I don't know if there was anybody who didn't know that they were four. <laughs> I mean, maybe people who got into them at like the disco years, I guess. But like, well, I mean, well, you have to think of it like they were they were together for a while and then pretty early on, like it's been nine years since anyone's seen Effie. That's so, sick. like, it's it's nine years of them developing a career. They might just not have known. Um, yeah, I just I don't know. It just made me laugh because I was like, yeah, well, duh. <laughs> and she's like, and she sings like a slower version of um, Dream Girls. Dream Girls. Curtis realizes that Effie is singing to a little girl who is just so emotional seeing her mom on stage like living her dream and he starts to put like two and two together and he just like leaves the box seat and comes down and is just staring at this girl and Effie like and I'm just like yeah dude this is what you get nothing <laughs> dream girls, dream girls, make you happy. <laughs> and but yeah, and then that's the end of the movie, right? Yes, it is. Yes, and it we is. find out that that is Jennifer Hudson is being introduced, kind of like how Demi Lovato is being introduced in Young Rock. Like introducing, <laughs> so and so. Cool. Let's get into so, our So, that is the movie. And we are now at the section of our show where we give it the ratings. So, mm-hmm. um, to start off, as we normally do with music and choreography, um, I like the music. I There's absolutely nothing wrong with the music. <laughs> I mean, as... As, as as there always is, there are some songs you like more than the others. Um, One Night Only disco version is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really is. Like, CeCe didn't know what he had sitting on it <laughs> there. <laughs> like, he really didn't. Um, as for the choreo, the, the main choreo song is Step Into the Bad Side. I think that has the most, like... I think so, yeah. Defined choreography. Like, for the longest time. Like, there are other songs that have, like, bits of choreo here and there. But mm. I think Step Into the Bad Side. And it's... Step Into the Bad Side is, is a fun time. Um, so, yeah, I say, I think for music and choreography, I'll give it, uh... Like a, like a 
the 4.25 records. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I like this music. It's fun. Um, you know, I don't. I don't know what to say. They're just good songs, you know. Um, uh-huh. And so I also would give it 4.25. Um, closer to 4.5 than 4.0, but uh-huh. 4.25. <laughs> okay. Next we have story so Mm -hmm. the story is uh very palatable for me you know like i always say as long as your plot isn't just romance i will love you and (laughs) uh it really isn't that like there is some romance but there's drama there's tension there's breakups there's secret pregnancies there's (laughs) (laughs) there's like the riots happening in the background there's um a mafia i don't know mob payments um subterfuge like it's a whole thing that's happening and it's so like a a lot of it is so visceral and real it just it takes you off guard a little bit like how many things just happen (laughs) i mean some of it happens and then it's just never addressed again but some of that's fine <laughs> uh, so but I the the storyline of the main characters I could follow very easily um, except again for that thing with Cece I don't know if he knew that magic existed or not I wish they would have pointed that out to me in particular <laughs> just me um, <laughs> but yeah I say for story I'll give it a four point. Cadillacs. Sure. Um, Yeah, it's a great time. It's a story that spans many, many years. So many, many things happen. Talks about black issues a little bit within the music industry, a little bit, you know, which is kind of like, like you said earlier about like other events that happened in the movie like it's still very relevant it's not like something that you have to extrapolate like you have to like sort of reach cerebrally like it's not something that you have to like fully think about it's something that's very much spelled out for you and so all of that being said i enjoyed it (laughs) i i'll give it uh i'll give it like a four four cattle nope yep Four Cadillacs? Yes. Is that? Yeah. Okay. Four, four Cadillacs. <laughs> and for overall enjoyment, Wig, um, I enjoyed it. Like, it, it, it's sort of like a... <laughs> what? What? It's just because it's Wig and like... It just just sounded like you're being like, overall enjoyment, wig, like it snatched my wig. (laughs) I don't know why that made me laugh so hard. Yes. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. Again, again, there are some movies where you feel the length. I didn't, like watching Dreamgirls, I didn't feel the length of it. It, It's still two hours long and I did not, like there, there wasn't a point where I was just like, oh my god, this movie is taking 
forever like it didn't happen mm-hmm. uh, maybe because I was invested in the characters more maybe there there was more to to see and engage with I'm not sure what it is but that it was good um, so for overall enjoyment I will say four wigs Okay. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it's very fun. I hadn't watched it in a while. So, you know, still enjoyed it. Um, I was contemplating before, like, rewatching it. Like, do I even need to rewatch it? I know what happens in this movie. Um, but I'm glad that I did rewatch it. Um, not because there's stuff that I would have forgotten, because. It's exactly as I remember. But um, just because it's a good time. And I would have missed out on a good two hours. You know what I mean? Um, So all of that being said, I'm going to give it um, 4.5 weeks. On this podcast, we have got obsessions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On this podcast. So here is confess. This podcast called Tell Me More, Tell Me More. Yeah, yeah. Listen to us confess our obsessions. I used the same like three lines in every <laughs> song, and I love it. <laughs> um, um, I don't know. This is not necessarily an obsession of mine, but it is something I saw, and I don't know if I. I feel like I might have mentioned it in a previous episode, but like there's developments, I guess, um, where I think I mentioned it, Diana the Musical, like the musical based on Princess Diana. Mm-hmm. Okay, that it's happening, yes, but it's going to be on Netflix before its Broadway run. So it's meant to come go... Um, to Broadway in 2021, May of 2021, and um, apparently it's going to be um, on Netflix before that. Um, I think that's what it says. Yes. A filmed version of the show before opening night. So that's a thing that's happening. I'm simultaneously intrigued and nervous don't know why but that's just how I feel um and they're currently I think we're recording the cast album so I was like oh maybe if I listen to the cast album I'll be more excited or whatever or less excited who knows but um that hasn't happened yet so (laughs) we just don't know um and then there are two murder mystery musical <laughs> things well there's okay one's a murder music mystery musical the other one i think is just like a uh just like a play i'm not fully there with it i don't know um so one is called a killer party um that should happen on the 21st of august um Wait, let me just read this out loud. Wait, Broadway Records will release an original cast recording of a new musical called A Killer Party, a murder murder mystery musical, 
which premiered on the 5th of August, and it's a nine-episode musical, which can be purchased for and is available is available for purchase somewhere. If you go on Broadway.com and search for a killer party, there's a link that'll probably send you to where you can buy it. Um, and I think that's pretty cool because I like murder mysteries and I like musicals. And so it's like very squarely in the in the crossroads of the things that I like. <laughs> um, and then there is something called Broadway Who Done It, which is a virtual murder mystery series in which Broadway stars are suspects and the audience gets to be the detectives. And... Um, the latest installment, which is called Escape from, Camp, Escape from Camp Erie, begins on August 30th, um, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, I think that stands for. Um, the first installment happens on August 1st, which I didn't see. So, like, if you're like me, you can probably purchase a ticket. Um, again, if you look on Broadway.com, you'll find the links to these things. And that is all I have. So as the uh, COVID-19 crisis continues to go on, um, the Arts District is going to continue to suffer for a while. Um, So all I really wanted to say is um, if you are of the pocket, which this podcast is free, I know if you aren't, that's okay. Um, but please, uh, find any ways that you can to support, um, artists in the industry, um, so that they continue to hopefully make art in the future and not become the starving artist trope by actually starving because they can't pay for things. Um, (laughs) but yes, that's all I really wanted to say. I had links to things, but I am too tired to say them all so t- please just look on our twitter eventually for them um sure. <laughs> <laughs> support artists it is a dark time for everybody we're understandably but yeah the art industry is going to take much longer than most other places to get back to what we may consider normal but that does bring us to the end of the show. It does. Um, you thank you for listening. Um, if you want to follow us on our social media, Twitter and Instagram, we are TMMTMM Podcast. On Tumblr, we are Tell Me More Tell Me More Podcast dot Tumblr dot com. Um, I uh, uh, my brain's short circuited. Give me a second. <laughs> You can email us on tell me more, tell me more podcast at gmail.com. We do have a Patreon if that is something that you're interested in finding. There are a few bonus episodes if that, again, that is something you're interested in finding. Um, you can search for us, TMMTMM podcast or tell me more, tell me more podcast. Um, it's a pay what you can community. I haven't changed the settings 
you know, so (laughs) (laughs) you can pay whatever it is that you are able to in order to gain access to those bonus things. Um, And we do have playlists on Spotify of the songs that we like from each episode. Um, So if you want to know what songs that we liked from each musical there are there if you search for tmm tmm podcast there are three playlists 2018 faves 2019 faves 2020 faves and i think that's about it i know i forgot something last episode i don't remember what it was (laughs) i hope i didn't forget it this time um but yeah thank you again for listening and catch us in september for our sports temper (laughs) For sports temper, <laughs> which I'm excited for. Um, me, excited for sports, imagine. Um, but yeah, <laughs> for this podcast, I've been your host, Leah. And I've been your host, Adicia. And we will catch you on the next one. Goodbye. Goodbye.